What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 263 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Nettie and Dave, the climbing backpackers. I came across their feed on Instagram and instantly connected with what they're doing. They are living on 20 pounds a day, traveling the world for the next few years, all over Southeast Asia and India, just rock climbing doing what they love, following their dream, and doing the thing they're most passionate about. And what struck me when I found their Instagram was, again, the way they're doing it on such a small budget. And it instantly took me back to my time on the road with John, who you know from episode 27 and many other episodes. If you'd like to hear more about those adventures, I recap them in episode 70, 71, and 72. But just how they're doing it, where they're literally getting off a plane somewhere or a bus and then just walking to save a few cents. Just again, to keep shaving off as many cents from their budget each day to stay on the road as long as they can. I really love this conversation because it brought back so many fun memories for me. And it sounds like they're having an awesome adventure and you can follow them on Instagram. I'll put their link in the show notes. It's climbing underscore backpackers. And throughout the conversation, we talk about why they left England and how they're doing it and all the great details that I like to bring across in all these episodes. So I quickly want to take a moment to shout out Jeremy, my new patron on Patreon. Thank you, Jeremy, for your donation. It is super helpful. I really appreciate you and all my other patrons for donating monthly. It keeps us alive, keeps me motivated. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. So with that said, please sit back, relax. And enjoy this episode with Nettie and Dave, the Climbing Backpackers. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. Right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Nettie and Dave, the Climbing Backpackers. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Came across your Insta feed and haven't done an episode in a month or two now, and it just struck me that you guys had a story that I'm familiar with, and I would love to hear your version of how you managed to come to the conclusion that it was a good idea to travel the world on a budget of, what, 10 pounds a day and try to climb as many different rock climbing venues as possible. Is that kind of the gist of your story? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's 10 pounds a day each um, so not completely crazy, but still pretty difficult. Um, and yeah, just like the main aim is to kind of climb as many places throughout Southeast Asia as we can on that budget, but then obviously just have like general adventure in between. They're just sort of the pins on the map is the climbing and then everything else that happens is just fun. That's awesome. And did one of you come up with this idea or was it a collaboration? We kind of fell into it, to be honest, like just circumstances just happened. Like, like everyone else, we thought about doing it for a while and like, you know, it was a dream and never going to be a reality. And then it just like, just fell into place so perfectly, really. So where are you guys calling in from right now as we speak? 
We are, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it again. You can say We're it. in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. <laughs> okay. And then you're from originally where? Yeah, England. Basically London, just below. Nice. And so how many months have you been on the road at this point? We left England on like the evening of August 31st and we landed in India on the 1st of September. So it's quite easy to go back and see exactly how long because it was the first of the month. So after saying that, I should be able to tell you how long we've been out, but two months and 13 days. So yeah. Perfect. And what was life like for both of you back in the UK prior to this big adventure? Um, we were both pretty much in a rat race. We, um, we had our own businesses. So I was running a tree surgery business. It, it was quite successful, small business, but with every, anything like that, you're just trapped, trapped in it. You know, you, you have to, you have to pay, pay the bills. You have to pay the boys. I had a few guys working for me and like had all the, all the clients and all the tools. So I had a lot of things that I couldn't really escape for long. So beforehand, we went on a lot of mini trips, but could never comprehend doing anything like this. Um, I had a, for the last five years, a dog walking business. I used to help Dave for a bit with his tree surgery, but I messed my back up kind of bad. Um, But I still really wanted to work outside because I just love being outside. And I used to want to be a vet when I was a kid, but I never studied hard enough for that. So I was just like outside animals, love dogs dog walking business um so I built that up for the last five years um but yeah since we were both self-employed it was we were like we could go away when we wanted but when we were away we weren't making any money so it was like freedom but also like we had obligations back home that we couldn't leave for a long time and also not even just money like pressure from clients like Nettie felt bad for leaving the dogs for a while which she thought the clients would find new walkers and me I just had people like just constant barragement of people just needing me to come tomorrow and not like you know no one has any patience in England like they just wanted the work done tomorrow and like if I took one day off it was almost like a guilt you felt for not doing it you know so then when you started concocting this idea to take this adventure was it like, let's save as much money as possible or let's figure out a way to make some money online so we can be location independent and have an income stream? Um, the income stream would be the goal, but it, but it's not, not, not what's happening at the moment. It's just, um, we're just, we're just living on savings at the moment and seeing what happens really playing every day as it comes. Yeah. So we didn't like plan it, save and then leave. What kind of happened was on the 1st of January this year, we flew into Bangkok. And in the evening after that, we were supposed to fly to Tonsai because uh, great rock climbing there. And in between flights, we went to a friend's climbing wall, super jet lagged, like been up all night, been walking around Bangkok all morning. And Dave pulled onto the climbing wall and his Achilles tendon just fully ruptured. Um So that was like a huge thing. He was just completely like surgery that same night. Um, And we did stay there for the two weeks or the, yeah, for three weeks. But then when we came home, Dave couldn't work and he wasn't going to be able to walk for about three, four months and then not walk properly for about six months. And the business was 
to keep the business, it would be uh, costing him money. So he was just like, I just have to quickly sell the business. It's kind of the only thing I can do. Um, and then once that all kind of went through, found some people, he sold the business. And I was just like, I, I read a book from the Broke Backpacker. It's like an ebook. It's called How to Live on £10 a Day. I just found it and I was just like, that's interesting. And it was at the same sort of time that this happened. And I was just like, we could just do this. Like, I'll just quit my job as well. Because it was kind of getting to the point with my business where um, if it got bigger, I'd have to start hiring people myself. And then I'd be even more stuck in my business too. So instead, I just set a date, also sold my business. And then, yeah, that's kind of how it like that happened. And then it kind of just all happened at once. Wow, that sounds intense. Was there any like fear and apprehension? I mean, it sounds like you had a nice safety security net. Obviously, Dave, your kind of business, everything fell apart when you ruptured your Achilles. But Nettie, I mean, you had a safe, secure job and obviously growing clientele. Was giving that up difficult for you? Was there any fear and apprehension behind that? Loads of people ask that and I feel like there should have been, but pretty much from the second I asked ChatGPT what climbing there was around Southeast Asia and it gave me a list, I've had like no other thought, like just completely nothing other than I want to do this. And like there was no, I couldn't wait to go and I'm still thinking it's the best decision ever. Yeah, no apprehension whatsoever. I told my family and thought that they'd be like, oh, you want to go for a year or like more or whatever. And they were just like, finally, like we thought you were going to do this ages ago. So no apprehension whatsoever, no. That was my next question. And so your family was cool. Natty, how about your family, Dave? Were they okay with you selling your business and moving out of the country? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I didn't really ask them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah, like they're all happy for me. I've, I've been doing this sort of lifestyle for a while. So like it wasn't really a huge huge step to to not come back you know um in my personal lives i think i'm just like saving fuel emissions from airplanes by not coming back and that's really the only difference <laughs> got it got it so yeah the major thing that seems to be running your um your instagram or that pops up a lot is obviously your budget like that seems to be something that you are very clearly describing how much you spend every day to your followers and you guys sound like you're being pretty strict with that. Was it 10 pounds per person per day? So 20 pounds a day, roughly, right? It works out as 26 pounds, $26, right? Doesn't uh, it? I think, I think so. It's, it's close yeah. to that. Yeah. So, so 20 pounds a day total, 10 pound each. Um, yeah, that's, that's the budget. And can you take us through an average day? I mean, obviously you just came from India, so I'm assuming it was a lot cheaper and easier to fulfill that. Um, can you, can you take us through a day in India versus a day in Kuala Lumpur? Um, a day in India is you will not spend £10 each a day if you don't, like you, you would actually have to try to spend £10 a day. Um, you can pick the cheapest options. You can pick sleeper class on a train instead of first class. And that's going to cost you, I think, the train from Mumbai down to our first climbing destination. It was about 12 and a half hours and cost us under four pound each um, for the sleeper class. Where we've landed in Malaysia, um, we've only been here for, I think this is a fifth day now, but obviously this is a city and uh, how do I explain? 
you don't have the option of having the the cheap option doesn't exist. Like we've been into the shops and everything's branded. So it's like you're getting the version of something um, which costs what it costs. There isn't like a off-brand version that we can buy. We can't buy the cheaper bus. It's like there is one bus, uh, the cheaper train, there is one train. Although to be fair, the trains have been pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, in India, it was hard to spend £10 a day. Here, it's like we've really had to start thinking about it. And the first day we were like, oh my God, this is going to be really difficult. But the next three days, we've got a grip on it as the days have gone on. We're working it out. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely possible. And we're doing it now. But that first day, we were a bit worried. <laughs> it's actually quite fun to like be in a be in a city and like look for the cheaper options, find find the dirtbag way in such a <laughs> such a populated like built up place with everyone spending money it's actually quite fun to find like the cheap but yeah the free there's a free bus service here and like basically we, we've been walking like four hours a day I don't as well, know how just much to save, we've done it's been ridiculous just this to save money city is not built for pedestrians really <laughs> that stuck out to me looking at your instagram when you got off the the plane and then the bus and then you like had to walk something like four kilometers or two kilometers with all your yeah, gear. Yeah, I think it was two miles with like 40 kilograms worth of gear just because we were just like, like we already paid for the bus like we only have so much left today so. Yeah that really resonated with me that's what my friend and I would do we just walk for hours and you learn so much about a city so quickly I mean obviously with that kind of weight it's a struggle but you see so much and you find those little like cheap options and the little like ways that you can just shave a few cents off of every single day until you can make your budget work. And also I've been like traveling for quite a while and like Netty makes me feel old school on comparison because I used to just do that. I used to just walk around, find out what's happening and go from there. But Netty's like just finding people online, just finding communities and like, Someone, someone, a local told us about the free bus. Like, it's just so interconnected how she's doing it. It's so cool just to, like, meet new people via, via the internet, basically. Yeah, it's so efficient. And sometimes, like, for myself as well, the old school mindset I have doesn't even dawn on me that you have that wealth of information at your fingertips if you have a smartphone or an internet cafe that you can find all those people willing to help and give you that information. That's so cool. Yeah, it's very good, especially with the climbing community. It's just like, as soon as you talk to someone, like you're talking to everyone. It's crazy. That was my next question. So the climbing community just obviously embracing you everywhere you go. Um, can you just help us understand? Because I'm not a climber, but I am a surfer. And like the surf culture is very tribal and um, not as helpful, I would say, when it comes to like new spots. We keep most, most spots a secret if they are kind of um, not well-discovered and not easy to find. Is it the same within the climbing community? No, I'd say completely the opposite. People really want more people to come to their areas. So if as soon as like a crag is established, people welcome you with open arms and want you to advertise it, basically video it, uh, get, get, get more people on it. I think like the thing as well with climbing is uh, when you first establish a route, it's very mossy. And very chossy, meaning like the rock can fall off. Uh, so the more people travel on the route, the cleaner, better the, the line gets. And then it's like a lot lot better, nicer for everyone, especially the locals. So like it's very, like climbing's crazy. Like people just want us oh, just so friendly and just want to meet up. Like it's just so cool. 
I think also um, they need people to come in because they need like funding for like if if they get more um, people knowing about them then they can maybe get some sponsorships and it costs money for like the bolts and the equipment to actually build up the crags. So some of the places that we've been um, like where would be the best example Lanavla in so there's a place called Lanavla in India which was pretty much the last place we were and they have like an indoor gym like a little indoor gym where they've got some sponsorship kind of from the community and then there's a couple of guys or there's a few guys that basically have these the local kids can just come in for free climb on these walls they're going to like competitions in India and the climbing outside they can only have like so many lines up because they only have so many bolts and if they can build that up so that it's more popular and more people know about it then maybe they can bring more of that in and they can build it up more and it's just better for them and it's better for people that want to come so yeah climbers generally unless it's already a really busy place like Kalimnos but that's just uh, in Greece it's just it's getting very very busy in the smaller places it's good for them to have people come in it's like exciting for people to come and check out what they've established I see I see and then Southeast Asian India was on the radar because of the amount of climbing and it was going to be conducive to your budget. It wasn't on there at first. It wasn't really on there. Yeah. It's more <laughs> like just, it was the closest place to England. <laughs> so it's kind of like, we just went there first. We, we could see like a line from, from India all the way around Asia. So, so we just kind of stuck to that, but like, it was such a good choice because of the Indian culture is just so welcoming. And they just like, we didn't pay for accommodation once. People just welcomed us into their homes. And uh, it was just, it was just great, lovely. Yeah, we didn't sell, we didn't pay for accommodation the whole time that we were in India. Uh, not just because people were inviting us into their homes, but like we said, so the first month uh, and a half, I think we, uh, you know, work away. Mm-hmm. Um, I contacted somebody through Workaway. And so we were there basically putting up some ropes for beginners um, and like teaching some beginners every four, probably every four days or something, because it's not super busy there. So for free accommodation, we would basically help out a bit and we'd do some advertisement for them on their Instagram page and things like that. Um, And then we would use couch surfing as well. So couch surfing, obviously, just chilling with someone. So a couple of workaways, some couch surfing, and then a couple of times some people just took us in and they were like, yeah, you can come with us for a couple of days. Um, but yeah, it worked out. I think I'd ha- I think it was 69 days we were in India and we didn't pay for accommodation, which was pretty crazy. And the people who were inviting you in who weren't your couch or you weren't couch surfing with or workaway were just climbing community members or was it random people? Yeah, it's people when we're in Badami, the first location, it's quite popular. Uh, for the Indian culture, Indian climbing culture, it's not very popular for uh, anyone else. I don't think the Western world would know about it. But people were coming from all over India to climb there. And everyone was just so psyched to see basically Westerners climbing there and like advertising it. And they were just, we got invites to go everywhere in India, I think, from climbers <laughs> in the first like two weeks we were there. And like we got so much more places to go when we go back 
Yeah. Like there's definitely. so much more potential for us to do in India. But but we uh we needed to get to Malaysia. We we were on a uh, schedule. A uh, bit of a schedule, a very loose schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um I've had conversations in the past with a lot of guests about India because it's a country that most people find extremely overwhelming with your with your senses. Um, did you have the same experience? Were you overwhelmed and needed kind of like to retreat at one point or could you have stayed more than three months or two and a half months or whatever? So my first first thing is I was there like 10 years ago. Um, I wasn't there. I was only there for like two months. Um, and the difference between then and now is crazy. Like the the hecticness is still there. And the amount of people and everything, but like the hygiene has definitely got a lot better in the, the areas I went. And like because everyone's like interconnected, everyone's got a mobile phone now. It's crazy. Like the data out there is is pennies. It is so cheap. Like you're you're going through like middle of nowhere on the train, and you still got phone signal. And you look out the window, and there's a a farmer with sticks on their head you know this type of farmer but they're still on the mobile phone having a chat to someone like everyone's like connected and um i think i think the culture's changing a lot um yeah but i i would say in the cities and stuff it's still like overpowering and even in the small towns like it's just so so noisy so noisy but like you can there is a lot of unknown remote places you can go to and like you know you still see few people here and there but it's it's completely different like i i always thought of india as like one culture but it's so multicultural there's like you can find remote places where it's ridiculously peaceful you don't have to stay to the cities you know how about you netty did you feel um in any way that the that culture the male side was aggressive toward a western woman because when i was there 20 years ago it was traveling with a, a swedish woman it was pretty they were very aggressive sexually towards her i think if i hadn't been with dave i would have been a lot more uncomfortable but people would address dave before they would address me um i think that kind of cut the aggression a little bit like I don't know that I would have felt comfortable in the majority of the places that we were on my own uh but yeah I don't know I think it's still definitely difficult if if you're if I was solo female traveler probably wouldn't probably wouldn't do it honestly which kind of sucks so I wanted to go and be like oh yeah it's fine like I would definitely go on my own but in reality I personally wouldn't feel super comfortable no yeah it's interesting you say that Dave because I mean yeah, I was there long before the the cell phone boom. And then recently in the last few years, I was in Myanmar and getting off in the middle of nowhere off a bus and like getting on my mobile and and calling an Uber <laughs> was like the new norm, which would made I mean it took away a lot of the adventure because a lot of times you would just pray that a taxi was gonna take you where you needed to go. And now it's just you feel so safe getting from point A to point B without getting robbed or having them take you for a ride and drop you in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. Technology has changed the travel game by a lot. I think it also makes people more liable as well. You know, like everyone knows that if they do something wrong, you can just whip out a phone 
and just film them now. And then a couple of times we had like light harassment, I would say, like we would go to the climbing wall, uh, like the outside rock, and some guys would like demand that we start climbing for their entertainment. And we would like, um, we would translate saying, we are not here for your entertainment. We're here to climb for ourselves. And then they would like carry on. But as soon as we like got our phones out and started filming them, they just ran away. They just knew that I could put that online and everyone would see them. So it's like, I think that's like changed the culture a bit as well. That's really cool. Yeah. Weaponizing it in that way. I've definitely met a lot of female hitchhikers who, you know, before they take a ride, they film the individual picking them up and um, obviously send that to their loved ones. And that face is just blasted everywhere. So they feel a lot safer. Yeah, I did. At one point I did put something online. It was just one time, but it was some guys were just following us and screaming selfie at us. It was a group of teenagers. Like mostly people are fine, but when they're, when it's like young guys in groups, I think that's where it gets like, I think that's the same everywhere, but when it's amplified. Yeah. And I, I just like film them a bit. And then, I mean, they didn't actually care that I was filming them to be honest, but yeah, I kind of put that up just saying like, people need to chill with this. The selfies was pretty crazy. Most people were really nice, but some people would just come over to you, hand you their child grab you and be like and then you're just set up for this photo it's like I didn't say that you could take my picture but I guess we're in this now a lot of the time we just kind of went with it but if you say yes to one while you're in a crowded area you're you're doing a million selfies like you just have to try and get out (laughs) yeah yeah with your guys's budget and you're still going your savings like how long do you have and what is your plan moving forward are you going to go back are you going to try to really make your product on Etsy what's it called avocado fingers uh, your primary source of income? I don't think it would become our primary source of income. That was something that will helpfully, hope, hopefully just kind of help a little bit. Um, the dream would be to build up our social media enough so that we could somehow make this into what we do. Um, maybe like get into bolting new lines somewhere. So like new climbs and things like that, or just yeah maybe some sponsors sponsorships basically anything that we can do while doing this kind of traveling that we're doing now would be really really cool because if we make 20 pounds a day like we can just keep doing this which is not a lot of money like i'm sure we could find an online job where we could just do that um but the worst case scenario we just have a giant page of like all the memories as long as we don't get like deleted or I've got the video saved because this has happened to me before but we have a big archive of all the memories we make on this trip that's worst case scenario um as for how long we can last so uh when I when I sold the business I was in a bit of a rush because of obviously everything was costing money to uh to keep running like I had to still pay the staff I had to pay for the yard I had to pay for the insurances and stuff like this. So I sold it in a bit of a rush. I sold it uh, just for the price of the tools, so not very much money. Uh, But the guys who bought it couldn't pay me outright. So we settled on like a a small amount every month. And uh, that's why that kind of works out perfectly for £10 a day. So basically, we're getting paid by my old business for the next two years to do this. And then we can just see what happens from there. So it's kind of like 
that's also a very big comfort because we're not really digging into our savings that much. We're just like living. If everything works out in the same two years later, we'll probably have the same amount of money in our bank account, which will be nice. Heck yeah. And is the next two years going to be spent primarily jumping between all the countries in Southeast Asia and India? What's the kind of itinerary roughly if there is one? I'm living day by day. <laughs> Nettie's got a bit more of a plan, but I'm like, I'm happy here today. So I kind of just looked at the map, saw India, and then I knew there was climbing it. So I asked ChatGPT where the climbing was, and it gave me the places. And I was just like, how do we loop these together? So everything's kind of touching. So we've got Malaysia. From here, we'll go up through Thailand. And then the very loose plan was to just go through land, through all of the uh, countries there. So like up through Thailand into Laos or Laos, 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 uh, down through Cambodia, which has no climbing, but it seems like a shame to miss it out. And then up through Vietnam. And then you've got like Philippines, Indonesia. And that's kind of everything that's on the radar at the moment. But we don't know exactly when we'll be in these places and if we'll hit them all because... uh, there's seasons we need to be in places if we want to climb because there's like obviously in the rainy season which I didn't realize but it's literally just coming into the rainy season here which was kind of stupid we've been really lucky with the weather um we need to catch places while they're dry basically um but yeah we we don't really have two it's a very loose plan but there is a kind of like just just know where we want to climb basically and try and make it there before it's too wet for me, the best thing about traveling is like you like the worst thing about work is you're fixed. Like if someone says, do you want to do something tomorrow? You're like, no, I'm, I'm really sorry. I have to I have to go and do this job sort of thing. But like the best thing for me about traveling is the fact you don't have a plan. Like if someone says, do you want to be, you know, in a movie tomorrow? You can go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Or if someone says, you know, we're all going like a big bunch of us going to China. We can just like hop along with them and go to China with everyone else. As long as it's within our budget, you know, but like that's that's what I love. Like we could do something crazy tomorrow and not have any idea about it today. Like that's that's the appeal for me. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Really inspired by what you guys are doing. One final question for each of you, which if you could answer separately, Nettie, I'll start with you. If you could give our audience just one bit of wisdom parting words something to inspire them to maybe think about their life situation um and maybe take that step towards a trip quitting their job quitting the relationship they're unhappy in. what would you say to them um i think i'm biased because i wasn't worried about it before i did it but like doing things the the cheap way um is a lot less scary than it would seem. And usually things kind of fall into place. Um, If you do it the way we're doing it, where you try and meet locals and things, you're going to be taken into communities and like get to see the real side of things. You just have to push, maybe push your comfort zone or try and be quite low maintenance for a while, but it's not as bad as you might think it would be. Like the discomfort isn't really discomfort. It just makes when you get the comforts, the comforts are like, like we have a bed right now for the first time that's not on the floor. And we're just like, we have a bed for the week. But we weren't upset when we had the bed on the floor. It's just that this bed now is like 
the best thing ever because we've gone without, but it wasn't really without because it was still great then. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's my... <laughs> Oh the more this comfort you have, the uh, the better comfort feels. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Dave, do you have anything more to add to that sediment of Nettie's? Um, what I would say is like, if you are like at home and you're stuck in a rat race, you don't have to like have this, you don't have to do this big scary jump, which most people think, well, especially not in my situation anyway. Like if you have a dream and you just, you just, is you actually have a dream, you have a goal, a focus, uh the the bits just fall into position eventually you know like i never planned to do this but like i i yeah i could have just like done my achilles tendon and then just like been like right i'm resting and going back to work but because of i had these ideas already in place like i was like oh look it's all falling into position it's all falling into the the way it's supposed to fall and because of the idea was there it kind of just like happens so like the, the first thing is just to have a dream and just like enjoy it. Beautifully said, guys. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Cool. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. I loved hearing about your adventures. It just brought back so many fun memories for me. Folks, check them out at Climbing Backpackers on Instagram. It's in the show notes. And as well, if you are interested in supporting Misfits and Rejects, you can do that on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com. Search Misfits and Rejects, and any monthly donation is greatly appreciated. As well, you can head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. That also helps as well. Thank you for joining me, folks. Looking forward to seeing the next episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.